0: You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement, court professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Was I supposed to say that? Yeah. Oh. Yep, or was yep. I supposed to act that out?
1: Hello and welcome everyone. Step into the China shop. We've uh, burned the doors down. We're, we're just keeping it open 24-7 now. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're back here with you. Another exciting interview episode. Uh, I'm your shopkeeper, Dan, and with me as always is Kyle. How are you doing today, Kyle?
0: Doing good. Market's green. Plays are starting to work out.
1: Yeah. 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 I'm coming off of uh, three days in a row of, of, of gains. Significant 5% or higher Are you back to even yet? Oh, I passed even.
0: Uh, I don't think I am.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fun stuff. Fun stuff. Yeah. I'm so excited today, Kyle. We are joined today by another member of the Trade Pro Academy, none other than Victorio Stefanov. Well, we all know why we're here. Explain options so they're clear. You should know some stuff, I guess, or your trades will all end up a mess. They're so ruthless on Wall Street, but Vico knows they can be beat. Just sit back and join the ride. Learn in Vico time It's like the genie you try to remember when he's gone Learning the right things Vico can show you how it's done And you want to know all your options and more Take your time because the lighting shines will make you smile When you realize the topic's dry It'll take a while for you Just to find out what
0: Delta's
1: are for
2: how are you doing today victorio i'm doing well uh thank you guys for having me on this is super exciting this is actually my first um guest appearance on a podcast other than our own obviously yeah, yeah
0: is it really oh well, all right oh, good fantastic
2: yeah. oh so excited to have you wow all right Thanks good stuff
0: me. hopefully we don't ruin the experience all
1: yeah right. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Right. I'll try to keep the insults to a minimum.
0: Yeah. Right. Oh, we'll keep them till the end. You hoser. Perfect.
2: <laughs> and keep in mind, I'm Canadian. I get I get offended
0: easily. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got uh, into the game?
2: All right. Perfect. Um. So I actually started trading. Probably like maybe one of you guys, or maybe both of you. Like a lot of people in college. I I was just I was in engineering actually, and mm. I. Hated it. <laughs> but it just wasn't for me. Like I didn't. I don't think I was that dumb necessarily. I got passing grades and whatnot. It just wasn't for me. I saw everyone around me like super into it, like building robots in their spare time, doing whatever. And I was just more interested in like making money. To be honest, it wasn't right. even about like the stock market. Is more so. Hey, these like these finance guys, they make a lot of money. Um, I think I I could be better at that than I'm in, at engineering, at least. And. I started just like playing around looking at stocks on like NASDAQ.com or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think my first stocks that I bought were either Apple or like Facebook, um, one okay. of those like big tech like fang names. And I was just playing around with that, just putting some money and didn't really have too much money. And I actually met George. So he's the CEO and founder of Trade Pro Academy well, my dad met him. Oh, you know George? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, um, I told
0: you, Dan, those Canadians know everyone. All right. We. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's a small place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my dad met him um in a coffee shop actually and was like, "Hey, listen, talk to my son. He's he's lost. He doesn't know what he's doing." And George was like playing on his computer, like looking at some stocks. And he was at Scotiabank, one of the big banks here at the mm. time. And I ended up talking to him. Um I was actually one of the like first actual members here at TradePro Academy just
0: Oh, right. going
2: through the courses, you know, like making my way through it, started trading options. Um, this was maybe
0: 2015.
2: Okay. Um got my ass handed to me after the <laughs> uh, uh one does during yeah. the like uh, it was the china currency manipulation thing that oh, summer okay so that um i was doing really well like i had like 30 40 return on um some student loans that i mm. <laughs> actually <laughs> threw in the market nice <laughs> oh, i
0: love hearing those stories.
2: <laughs> yeah just disaster well like the student loans here aren't that crazy like i've heard like hundreds of thousands in, in the States, but like it was, it was more so like towards like 10, 15 grand, let's say, and that's right. Canadian. So it's like pennies on the dollar in comparison to the U S. Yeah. But um, <laughs> like I was, I was up pretty handsomely. I would say for a college student, I was like loving life. I'm like, holy shit, I'm I'm dropping out. I, I got this. Right. Um, China manipulates the currency destroys the market. I lose uh, on top of the gains about 30% of the account, which isn't terrible. No. So took a drawdown. And then slowly climbed back after that and then took that account and actually started day trading futures with it. So I said, I was swing trading options. I was like, enough of options. I'm going to go day trade futures because that's where TradePro kind of turned the course where it started day trading futures and created a course around that. Mm-hmm. So George pretty much taught me all of that. And then I was just picking up bits and pieces, like learning stuff by myself. And that was probably like 2017 or so. Okay. Um, and then when it came to stocks, I didn't really invest or put too much money into stocks very passive like larger uh blue chips until march the crash that's when i started getting more handsy into the stock market and going back to options actually
0: just seeing that discount kind of made you want to get back into some of those names yeah <laughs> probably a smart move yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much
2: yeah exactly i was like oh my god like apple and whatever like all the big tech names are down like 40 50 percent, whatever right. it was. I was like, okay, well, they have good fundamentals. They've got some good reasoning behind them. Like, I think these are going to rebound pretty aggressively, and started getting back into that. And Nailed features, it. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. The like everyone wishes they put more money into it, right? And I'm one of those oh, yeah. people. So, I always wish we did more. Uh, yeah, exactly. I put like fifty percent of the account in towards the lows, and I was like, ah, oh, crap. Well, I should have just put the whole thing in naturally. <laughs> right. Fifty
0: uh, percent well, still pretty committed. Yeah, yeah that's risky. Yeah yeah
2: coming from futures like all i know is high risk
0: (laughs) (laughs) i have yet to mess around with futures they kind of scare i read a couple horror stories where people didn't realize how the lots worked and thought they're buying like a thousand dollars worth of something lost their whole account in like 10 minutes all i all i have to
2: say about futures is you better be trading with a stop i don't care how how big of a stop it is you need a stop Like I love futures, great leverage, but I found more of a home in options because, again, when it came to the risk parameters, I would risk less but have a wider stop if that makes sense. So I have a little more uh, wiggle room, but I'm risking less. But obviously, I'm making less. Right. So futures, I'll trade on like trending days, like last Friday, for example. Um, what was that? Like May fourteenth, fifteenth. Mm-hmm. That was a good trending day, but usually I, I stick to the options. And from March, that low 2020, I, I really dived into stocks and options and we've created a whole options segment here at trade Pro. before it was mainly futures driven. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much the, the backstory.
0: Well, I, I noticed you post a lot. That's how I kind of found you. It's, uh, yeah. We had George on the show uh, back when we were first getting started. Yeah. So we're following him and then found you on there. And then I've been noticing a lot of the stuff that you've been posting as far as like your ideas in the morning. Uh, can you kind of explain how those work?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'll i date, like I swing trade and day trade options, uh, swing trade stocks. I don't really day trade stocks themselves. I'll swing trade in investment okay. in stocks. Um, I'll day trade options. So like all those ideas that I post on a ugly looking notepad. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm bringing
0: back the notepad. I think what yeah. you said. <laughs>
2: yeah, an ugly looking notepad. I post like um, a few... Names, mainly SPY and triple Qs yep. uh, because they're I, I know them best because I traded NASDAQ and S&P 500 futures for a mm-hmm. few years. So I kind of know how they move um, the best in comparison to individual names. So right. I'll just post a level like calls above certain levels and puts below a certain level. Um, and then I'll post like what the pivot point is.
0: And, okay, so what does that mean? What is the pivot point?
2: Yeah, so the pivot point is the area where you're typically getting long above and short below. It's the area where there's okay. a sentiment shift.
0: That's and where that's, you're expecting it to run one way or the other.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's usually based on like either like a volume profile or a, a, like a automatically drawn pivot from a chart. Okay. So it's it's an area where there's like a crap load of volume where there's going to be a, a fight, like a fight in the market. So if you surpass it to the upside, then I'm expecting um, X amount of percent to the upside or whatever it may be, or to the downside, same thing.
0: Okay, so I see you, you lost your pivot point, then you have your calls, and it looks like calls above. So I'm looking at your morning one from this morning. You get a pivot point on the SPY of 1455. So now if it hits 14 or 415 and 80 cents, if it's running up above that, then that's your trigger to buy a call option.
2: Yeah, yeah, to to a certain degree. So, like above that level, I'm I'm getting um a little more aggressive with the calls. So, what I've noticed is like a dynamic change in how markets move uh, mm-hmm. over the past few months. I'm sure you guys have noticed as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the uh, the volume has died out of the market, and I could attribute that to um, number one, fear, large institutions pulling right. out of the market, and number two, uh, retail traders and investors getting blown out. Mm-hmm. Um. The retail trader is is losing ground, and they're moving to different markets like crypto, for example. So mm-hmm. things that oh. would work before, like uh, like like this example. So a long winded explanation of why this works, but for fifteen eighty, for example, that spy like calls above it before that would be like a breakout level. I'm just breaking out. I'm buying the breakout. Now it's more so like okay, well sentiment's pretty bullish above that level. I want to see how it reacts mm-hmm. before getting into it, right? Um, if it's a high volume day, what I, what I interpret as a high volume day would be about fifteen, ten 10 to 15% of the average shares traded before the market opens. Okay. Um. So on the SPY, let's say, I think the average is like 80, 80 million, let's say.
0: Sounds reasonable.
2: So let's say like eight to 9 million pre-market traded. I'm going to consider that like a heavy, heavily traded volume day. And there's going to be more so of a trend in one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. So today, with the spy, it was like let's say two million. I can't remember the exact number, two million. So that's kind of like crappy. So right. I, I would, I would look at those levels that I throw up on Twitter as okay, wait, that's a sentiment change. I want to see it above there and see what happens, right? So if it pokes its head above there and there's no real volume that comes in, for example, or there's no like uh, oh, stagnation, right. right? There's no pullback mm-hmm. stagnation where the price just stops, then it's, it's gonna get like faded down. Okay yeah so those are like more guideline levels um i just try to keep like twitter and like social media a little more engaged um and giving them kind of ideas uh i because i talk in the in a morning room in like a zoom recording like well not like this i guess this is different but similar (laughs) to this (laughs) but it's it's like a, a zoom recording where we have like members from our community that would jump on and kind of like listen to sarah chris and i so like three kind of moderators i'd say that follow options markets and talk about okay, well, this is a good level. I personally am, am entering calls or puts at this level. This is why. So, like something like that. I don't really want to call it a signal. It's more so a like idea and qualifier. So, I kind of want to help people like qualify their own stuff. Because like, I could drop mm-hmm. signals all day, but like I don't, I don't know if people could get in and out the same way I do. So, in my mind, I'm burning other people's money, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that is sometimes, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I love it. It's my
1: favorite. No, it's my my least favorite thing. People will say, "What's a what's a good stock to buy? Uh give me a good stock tip." And it's like, "Well, I could name a stock ticker, but there's so much more information you need to know to make that trade correctly. You can't just go out yeah. and buy it
2: today and be like, "Hey, I'll make money." You know, you know what I tell people that ask me that actually um I, I'm assuming that these people don't really know too, too much about the financial market. I, I just say right. buy the spy, buy and hold the spy.
0: That's yeah. what we always yeah. say. Yeah. Like
2: it's, I, I'm not here to tell people to buy AMC or whatever it is yeah. or Ford or I agree oh. with you guys. Like I'm not a financial advisor. I don't, I can't be liable for anything like that. <laughs> right. No,
0: we want, we, our goal is just to get people to learn about it. We're not, yeah, our exactly. goal is not to tell people what to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. I'm pretty transparent about like my positions for the most part. Um, If I think they're, like less risky per se, mm-hmm. and I'll disclose that as in hey like i I am doing this, I am not telling anyone to do this, this is my risk, this is where I'm putting my stop, this is where I'm putting my entry.
0: Is that what you're calling your lottoes?
2: pretty much yeah, okay so <laughs> that's what I'm <laughs> on like on like Fridays or like maybe throughout the day where it's like, hey, listen like this is this is kind of a gamble, but mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing
0: is this uh now the the uh community you mentioned is that your your echofen?
2: yeah yeah exactly um it's it's just uh, community.tradeproacademy.com it's it's a public community where there's there are private rooms within but the public community um i'll still throw my ideas and like chat with everyone in there if Mm. anyone has any questions it's it's relatively new we just made the switch from discord um Mm. discord was i liked it but it was kind of a zoo (laughs)
0: hey we use discord (laughs) yeah yeah. so do i but on
2: on different platforms (laughs) right
1: Right. I'm glad to say uh, our our Discord is less of a zoo and more just an open pasture for bulls to run around and smack into each other. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know,
0: but well, we kind of promote it as a smash everything. <laughs> <laughs> buy,
2: buy all dips. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so what are the, the key indicators then that you're usually looking at when you're coming up with these ideas? Uh, like I, you post your plan in the morning before the yeah. market opens, but what? where are you getting those points at? Are you analyzing yesterday's price movements or are you looking at the pre-market?
2: Yeah, so when it comes to day trading, um, I'm I'm doing both uh, yesterday's and pre-market. So mm-hmm. like they'll, you'll get like automatically generated pivot points which i take into consideration on like a platform like trading view or tos whatever whatever anyone uses Mm -hmm. um other than that like some indicators that i use are like moving averages um these aren't like do or die they're guides uh whatever indicator anyone ever uses like if they tell you this is like the golden indicator, the holy grail, they're probably wrong. Yeah, Right, yeah. Even even I use indicators and I don't like believe them 100%. I mainly use market structure. So how the market actually moves on like a, a five minute or two minute chart for day trading. Mm-hmm. and that involves just like general support resistance levels like gaps pivot points then obviously the moving averages um like a 20 moving average on a five minute is is one of the main ones that i'll use kind of like as a guide okay above i'm probably long below i'm probably short mm-hmm. um in that sense and then like pivot points under the pivot it's very hard to be long uh, you're fading momentum
0: all right yeah
2: and then above the pivot you should be long so those are the main things also like volume profile i look at volume profile because um i used to do uh, tpo and market profile on futures hmm. but i found that volume profile is pretty good for individual stock
0: what do you what does that mean volume profile
2: so the volume profile is uh you either can get like a volume profile that tells you where the most volume was traded based on like a price point on the side uh, okay so um i can use it for a day session for example. So today's day session if i open up the volume profile i just have it on my screen here today's so day se- session the most volume was traded around uh on the spy for example around 41460 right so, so that's like a heavy fat zone of attraction i would say
0: that's where everybody wants to get in that is what it sounds like or or they're getting out
2: every everyone is just pushing trades through that area mm-hmm. right because you have to have a buyer and a seller to complete right. a transaction it's just the most transactions at that time happened um, at that level so it's it's a uh, I would say a vertical volume rather than the horizontal when you typically see on the bottom of your charts what what tools are you looking to look at that because I'm using Ameritrade and I don't know if I've ever come across something that showed me that information Amer- I'm, I'm on um, trading view actually and uh, it's it's in the function key. You can. It's it's
0: one of the. Trading TradingView, the one where you get the free widgets for the, like the websites.
2: I uh, I think so. I think, I think Trading TradingView is. is massive. So they, they probably yeah. they probably do a lot of that stuff. They have a lot of built-in like indicators and stuff, and like random people would make their own and publish them. But some of the built-ins are like the volume profile, for example. I'm not really sure on Ameritrade. Um, us Canadians don't have uh, the privilege to use that platform. <laughs> oh no, really? <laughs> you you don't yeah. have can, uh, Canada Trade? We don't have Canada Trade, no Uh
0: the way to take the low hanging fruit, Dan. It's just hanging there.
2: Yeah, I'm not not too sure on that on that platform. I'll I'll put in a request for what was it, Canada trade Canada trade? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I wonder if anyone's bought that website yet. Well, now we know. I'm gonna have to spend a little more time on this, because I didn't think uh I just used it for, for building like uh charts for like when we write up something on the website or to to build yeah. like, ticker banner.
2: They got a lot of crap on there that could be useless, but they they have a lot of like good stuff too.
0: Well yeah, I think it's just a free database kind of thing right yeah so people can probably much. do a lot of stuff with it exactly yeah, interesting
1: well i know i'm gonna get on there and start to uh, start looking at the volume points
0: yeah well i know one thing Papazov and mentioned when we talked to him was looking at the level 2 data and trying to see where the buy pressure yeah. and sell pressure was uh i had access to level 2 briefly when i first signed up with weeble because i think it gave me uh six months of that for free
3: yeah
0: uh i liked it but i didn't quite understand how to use it i mean i can see the cell walls and the buy walls and see where the resistance was popping up but i wasn't sure mm-hmm. how to actually make a trade off for that. yes yeah, no, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: Uh, I, was, I was just going to say, um, it, it's a lot better used for day trading mm-hmm. in my in my opinion I, i'm not sure if you guys do a lot of that i know i know you're more on the longer term stuff
0: we kind of looked at it a little bit and i think we've dabbled with just about everything um, yeah. that was one of the things that i mean because we like to report on stuff too right so we'll yeah, test yeah. different theories or strategies out and let everyone know how it works out for us so it's definitely something that would be interested in taking a look at i don't know if it's something that long term i would do with a large portion of my portfolio because yeah <laughs> I'd like to make sure I know what I'm doing before I do it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think right now we're really big on selling premiums yes, oh yeah okay that's mm-hmm. a
2: that's a great strategy. If you have like over a hundred shares of something, I love doing that, yeah, I'm selling the options, premium, collecting the income i've only oh, yeah. been hit on that once, I think, out of the multitude times i've done
0: it. you mean you've only had them put to you, yeah oh really yeah <laughs> i've got a uh, bunch that are gonna hit me next week at the uh, end of, on friday <laughs> uh, but it's all right made enough i think uh selling all the other ones
1: <laughs> yeah i always feel really good when i sell a bunch of cash covered puts and then they don't get exercise i'm like no oh, that,
2: that's just free money <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> until then you're twiddling your thumbs hoping for the best that's <laughs> the the hardest part about it is you're waiting if yeah. you're selling
0: them monthlies then you, you're you done like you know i'll be so done next monthly, week monday morning
2: yeah. <laughs> i i i don't have like i i'm very um how do you say that like spastic when it comes to managing my accounts mm-hmm. so i don't want to wait that long for premium um, right i tried it once and i vowed that was the last time i would do it <laughs> um <laughs> it was just it was just like like a headache for me like it wasn't it wasn't like a mismanaged position or anything everything made sense but just in the back of my mind um knowing not to hold because i was conditioned not to hold futures positions overnight because of these gaps i was like holy crap stocks gap all the time yeah i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen in a month
0: (laughs) (laughs) i've always yeah that's one thing i've hated about holding something overnight When it's like a real short-term option, like, I don't think I should hold this overnight. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen tomorrow.
2: So do do you guys um, swing trade options like directly other than premium writing as well, or is it m- mainly just premium writing? When
0: you say swing trade, what's the actual definition of that? Is that basically a day trade thing, or
2: I'd, I'd say over a day, anything over a day under a year.
0: Um, I like to look at like when the earnings calls come out, and I see a stock yeah. put out like uh, you know really good earnings, but the yeah. expectations are way too high. It falls too hard. Um, I'll try to buy you know a couple short. You know, a couple yeah. calls are calls, like two weeks out and see if you catch on the rebound, get a little bit out of that.
2: Is this uh, before or after the earnings report?
0: I wait till after. Okay. Okay. Because I want to see the actual earnings. I want to see yeah. if they were actually good and people are just overreacting or, or if there's just too much, you know, expectation built into it.
2: Yeah. Well, what I've noticed throughout this past earnings period was like just debauchery because based on like fundamentals earnings reports all that forward guidance a lot of uh, growth and tech names social media mm-hmm. names uh were projected to do really well and have done really well but just the the, the market just hammered them lower and continued oh, that trend right for like a week while value just continued to grow yep which, yeah took a little <laughs> bit of a beating on
0: some of those. <laughs> yeah
2: that's that's like the the number one the number one thing in my opinion if you can time and find when to switch from value to growth that's when you're going to make the most money
3: mm-hmm.
2: sarah who's actually an options trader she trades predominantly on order flow and through her i learned a lot about order flow and she was actually timing the the switch from tech to value in about february oh wow which convinced me to get out out of, of out of a lot of my tech and inv- um growth names not not enough to not take a hit but right enough to not cry about it overnight hmm. nice. but yeah there's like looking into that, if you guys are gonna look into anything, um, options order flow, watching how like institutional money moves around, uh, because it really gives you an indication for medium to longer term as well.
0: Are you talking about like the Benzinga options alerts that come out, where you can look and see unusual activity?
2: Uh, not necessarily. Like it, it is similar to that. Is kind of similar to unusual activity, but looking at it, um, there's there's a program. I think it's called Trade Alert or um, let me just Google it just to make sure.
0: Are you talking about looking at like the ratios, like calls to put ratio?
2: A lot of that, mainly looking at options flow, how much premium flow and dark pools come into certain positions and how much pull out of them, mm-hmm. uh, what sizable options positions are open because um, the options market, uh, like market makers have to hedge their positions by, by, right. by buying common stock, right. right? So if you see a massive inflow of let's say uh, 25 million, so this is actually a good example because I remember this happening um, on Pinterest, mm-hmm. actually, um, there was a huge position around, I want to say either early February or late March, one of those most recent spikes. And there was a huge position for about $24 million of call option premium bought for a strike of about like 75, I think, which was at the time, I believe in the money. Right. So that would indicate like huge bullish um, flow. And someone's thinking that this thing's going to be $75 plus the premium paid, which could have been like 20 bucks, let's say. So they're thinking is going to make a move towards ninety, right? Mm-hmm. When big positions like that open up, you want to you want to take a look at those because those are the positions you want to ride out. Right? right.
0: The hard thing, though, is how do you know whether it's it's them making a, a bullish bet or hedging another position?
2: So it's by uh, analyzing what the position is on this platform called Trade Alert, because you can Mm -hmm. see all the positions, what that single individual or institution has opened. Is it a hedge? Is it a bullish bet? So you actually know who's making
0: the bet then, too.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you know, if it's bullish directional, you know, if it's a hedge, you know, if it's a premium grab, you know, if it's like nothing. Right. Right. It depends on if you understand how to interpret it. So Mm. um, I'm not the best at it personally. Um, I'm just learning through Sarah because she she knows it really well. And sometimes I I catch on a little quicker, but I'm still in the learning stages of it. But for example, like those bets were made um, early February or uh, late March when we had those aggressive pops in growth. Right. And then they got liquidated. Right, massive dark pools are selling like millions and millions, like tens, hundreds of millions of positions. You know, like holy crap, let me get out of this. Mm -hmm. So even for the longer term, when you see positions open like that, like uh, I'm, I don't, I don't have one off the top of my head, but let's make one up. Right on Mm -hmm. Apple, for example. Right right? on Apple, let's say you see someone opening up a position for fifty million dollar call option for uh, January twenty twenty three. Right, you want to watch how that position either stays open or starts getting smaller or bigger. Uh So day in and day out or every week or so you don't have to watch it every day, obviously, but every week, every month, you'll notice, like, is there a big change in that you can set alerts? Is there going to be a big change in that? Right. And that's how you can kind of follow where uh, money's flowing out of and flowing into which website were you using to look at that information? it's called trade alert it's it's like a platform that's awesome the the platform itself visually looks terrible but it's amazing information <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> it's one of those things you know like where institutional like boomers use it and they're like okay with it right so they're not going to update it cuz it still works
0: like like notepad no <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah they don't they don't
0: care okay you've mentioned the dark pool a couple times and i think yeah. uh, that's been kind of on everyone's mind lately um, i think there was some recent I don't know. Was it the S- SEC that just had a new ruling that closed down some of these?
2: Um, they they had. I, I didn't. I didn't read it. I saw something about the SEC about that. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know there has been some kind of um, like OTC talk. Mm-hmm. I think it was, um, and on some kind of.
0: I think it was a couple weeks ago, actually, but I think they shut down a couple because there was an amendment. Uh, or a request for an extension, mm-hmm. or like TD Ameritrade and some of the bigger brokers to, to keep their their exchanges open, or their dark pools open until people can find a, a, a sufficient replacement. But what, I mean, what I understand the purpose of that is, is so that way, like a big name can offload or buy a large block without alerting the rest of the market that they're making this move. Is that basically accurate?
2: Yeah, which is kind of BS because if you start hiding positions like that, then like it's they they wanted to kill the retail crowd from the beginning, especially once all this stuff blew up. Which like I mean the GME, the the short squeeze that happened when everyone right. understood what a short float meant back in January. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but they like ever since that happened, like everyone's just trying to pin it on retail investors when like it's it's not really retail investors. No, right? Like no. like how is how how am I gonna move a single stock name by myself or me and a couple of other friends are gonna? It's just it doesn't make any sense. They're they're just trying to like weed weed retail out more and more. It's kind of what it feels like, doesn't it? For some reason, like I don't I don't know what the. Like what the reasoning is behind it, I I've heard that too many millionaires had been made, and <laughs> I, like yeah, that's like I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like I, I I legitimately heard that th- there were too many millionaires being being made throughout all this market stuff, whether it was through crypto or the short squeeze that happened early this year. Mm-hmm. There was too many damn millionaires, and now they're thinking of ways of how to stifle retail.
0: I hate hearing that.
2: I I feel like it's like a like a '50s American segregation
1: water fountain thing right you know it's like no 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 you can't use our water fountain no We've been using this water fountain for years. It's just ours. Get out of here!
0: You don't know how to drink that water. You might hurt yourself. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there, the water won't go away, right? The water is going to be there for a very long time. But exactly. you still don't know how to use it. And I'm gonna. I'm not. not I'm not going to teach you how to use it. So get out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's enough water for everyone. But you just can't have any. Mm, so, yeah, that's exactly what it feels like.
0: So are you following the uh, the AMC that thing that's going on now?
2: Um, I haven't followed too much of the AMC thing, but the GME thing. Um, in terms of massive 800 calls, I forget what the expired was. I think sometime in the summer. Oh, yeah. It was starting to get open. Yeah. And, and like people are saying that that's what propelled the first short squeeze where it was like...
0: A massive gamma squeeze.
2: Yeah, exactly. A massive gamma squeeze for market makers to hedge their bet. And they ended up buying it up. I think I don't think that was the case, to be honest. Um, I think that had something to do with it. But I think also institutional money saw that...
0: Yeah, I think you had to have some institutional money because retail yeah. just doesn't have that buying power. Hour exactly to really right. push something
2: i think institutional money saw the flow coming in on it like the mm-hmm. huge positions getting opened up and they're like hey you know what we can move this and really screw some people over <laughs> other institutional
0: people that- <laughs> do you think AMC has the same potential that GameStop has
2: well AMC like now after the squeeze so like AMC was like a 2 3 dollar company right and i was in right. december i was yeah i was i was looking to um i i bought shares not many shares because of it was a reopening play in my in my eyes mm-hmm yeah right and i bought it like let's say like a 350 i think it was um around i think it was october even i okay. think it was around october 2020 and i was like I think hey, that's right because is-
0: dan was playing some call options on them about the same time
2: yep. yeah and i'm thinking like it's a it's a reopening play and then it started catching up like with the twitter crowd right there was traction and i'm like okay well what do these big twitter guys know that i don't know i'm gonna like size in on it bought some more like 250 whatever it was not like a crazy position nothing right nothing ludicrous by any means like a five-figure position right yeah. mm-hmm. not like massive though um and i'm thinking okay well i'm gonna cut my losses if i lose like 30% of this like it is what it is like it's gone right and the first pop like, I had these blind limits, what I like to call them, which are just limits that I had set, like, God knows when, you know, like, to hit, to sell some of the position out.
0: A take profit mark, basically? Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I'm setting these at, like, $5, $6, $7, $8, $10, all the way up to 12 in increments. Mm-hmm. And then, like, this thing happens, like, overnight. This, like, crazy squeezes of the shit what shit would they Right. And they all, got, they all got flushed out, right? Like, all the profit-taking got out. And I'm like, okay, like, that was... That was like the only sizable money that I think I made from this whole debacle between like GME and AMC and all that squeezing. But like the point, the point is like they're, don't know what the position sizing right now in terms of options is on amc mm-hmm. but it does it does have potential right like gme i told you guys i had like a story from uh, financial institutions here in canada yeah where i know someone that works at one of the big banks and he's getting phone calls and it's these it's these i don't even know if they're kids or not but they sounded like kids based on how he described it <laughs> and like i don't know, like early 20s let's say and they were calling him and asking him hey can i put a limit on gme to sell it at a million dollars a share Jesus! and he he's like what do you like what do you mean a million dollars a share like what what what's going on and he like he got one phone call and he's like, this, like someone's like pulling my leg this is bs you know he kept getting them like he kept getting them from like older people and he's like what the fuck's going on <laughs> the hell is going to sell GME at like a million dollars a share right then like literally a week after that you start seeing 800 calls like hit right. the books 800 call 800 call on GME like what the hell is going on here but I don't like and today like GME squeeze I'm just looking at just basic chart just just a chart right mm-hmm. and this like based on a chart like GME could squeeze and I've seen a lot of interest in GME recently by like players that kind of like
0: I think it just doubled its volume today it's up about 12 percent right now
2: and Honestly, like it could go back to the five, six hundred area.
0: There's a lot of people that don't think that it's actually been covered yet. They think that, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of the action is synthetic on it. They think that a lot of people thought that retail actually already owned the entire float.
2: The entire float retail? That's a little ludicrous.
0: I mean, it's only seventy million shares, and if it was trading at five dollars not too long ago, I mean, is it that crazy?
2: Yeah, but did retail know about that back then? I don't know. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, that's a good point. I think there is starting to really jump on back in the seventeen mark. If you look at uh, Reddit, the thing that surprises me about GME though, looking at their, and I don't know how out of date this is, but I finally saw the institutional ownership yeah. percentage finally drop below a hundred.
2: That where, where where did you see that? I don't I don't even doubt that. That's like that's on the TD
0: Ameritrade. Case. It's a it's. A, and it's showing 97.28% right now. And that's the first time I've seen it below 100% and probably since January.
2: Do you know how um, frequently they update them? Because usually they come out like once a month, depending on the platform that you've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I
0: think it probably wouldn't be any more than every two weeks. But okay, even if there's overlap, that's still a very high. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, especially 100%. For, yeah, for something that's uh only showing a twenty one percent roughly short interest right or as of uh, April thirtieth.
2: Interesting.
0: Yeah, I still think there might be something going on with GME. I don't know if I still believe I don't know if I believe the extent of the naked shorting that everyone seems to think is going on. Yeah. I don't know. I I find that a little ludicrous to think that they would allow something like that to happen.
2: That that's what I'm thinking too, but I, I heard that a lot of like institutional money doubled down on their shorts after they got squeezed like that because they just couldn't cover them. Mm-hmm. but i i I kind of agree with you in terms of like i don't know if it has the potential to make another squeeze back to where it did. Um, or if there's that much naked shorting going on, to be honest,
0: I mean, that's kind of what it all relies on. But I mean, yeah. if you, I don't know if you saw any of the, uh, the comments from Aaron, at Ad, uh, Aaron Adams, is that right? Mm-hmm. CEO of AMC. Yeah. Um, he, when they just did their earnings on the earnings statement, uh, there's 3.2 million owners in retail of AMC and they own four fifths of the company. And that was as of March 11th.
2: Oh my God. Whoa.
0: Yeah. So maybe there is something to it i don't know there
2: could be something to it in that case but the the short squeeze would happen with just more buyers driving it up to those short covering levels right all right like there just has to be attraction to make that squeeze happen so like let's say i don't know these institutional traders say you know what i'm going to cover above 220 for example Mm -hmm. so it could go up to 2 219 218 just muddle around there and look like it's squeezing like crazy but until it reaches that threshold area it's not really going to do anything that's what happened with the original squeeze i i think the original squeeze number was in the hundreds Mm -hmm. and that's when when the institutionals were like okay like we got to do something about this yeah so it, based on a chart, um, I don't really know what the numbers are. I haven't really dived into it too much. Based on a chart, it does look like it has that potential to go for another another run.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm uh, I'm hoping I don't have to go back to work. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't have all my eggs in that basket, but I'm uh, I definitely took a lottery ticket on it.
2: Yeah, yeah. AMC, if if GME goes, AMC is probably going to go with it.
0: Well I, yeah, I got a little bit of both of them still. I figure yeah. uh, what the hell
2: nice, a
0: good hedge, <laughs> not necessarily a hedge. I think that's kind of a double down <laughs> yeah, right. God, what was the other number with a m c that I saw that kind of blew my mind oh, the uh the cost of borrow, I mm-hmm. think I as asked. of last at last week at some point it was uh up around like 240 percent interest oh whoa i think trey on trey's trades mentioned that uh, the sell the short sell button on weeble had been disabled since fucking january whoa <laughs> uh, this is a extremely hard to borrow stock uh that sh- that fee rate had been uh, basically skyrocketing over the last week and a half or two weeks
2: that's like trying to buy crypto on coinbase <laughs> I, that's, I
0: learned that too the hard way <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah me too man
0: Uh, What what is this $5 charge for $100 of coin?
2: (laughs) I Googled it just to see how much one Bitcoin would cost. Not that I was going to buy a full freaking Bitcoin at 60K. Yeah. But I think it was around like a grand.
0: Oh, that's what their fee is?
2: That's what, to buy one full Bitcoin. I think the fee was around a grand.
0: I might need to buy some shares of Coinbase because it sounds like they got a really good profit model. Yeah. (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) <laughs> until until everyone figures out that you can purchase crypto without getting destroyed on a spread like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I th- I put you know a couple hundred bucks in there just to see what it was all about. We been talking to a lot of people about it. I just wanted to know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I'll be putting any more into it. <laughs> <laughs> I, was lo- I was curious if I was going to get that same charge when I tried to sell it.
2: I, I think so, because there, there would be a spread, right? It's kind of like Forex in that sense.
0: Like uh, You can't give away 10% of your fucking profits and ever hope to make money on anything.
2: Oh, yeah, exactly.
0: Dan, you got, uh, what else you got? Uh,
1: yeah, um, I wanted to, to to ask a little bit more about, uh, oh, I don't know, I don't have my notes here.
3: No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> ask away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, um, do you, do you, so when you when you play around with options, uh, mm-hmm. do you follow any of like the traditional name strategies? Do you ever like drop an iron condor and you ever. You ever straddle
2: or strangled? You ever do anything like that? So very rarely, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I I kind of like to just do straight calls or puts. Um, I I do like the the I um, don't I don't know the exact technical terms for this, but I would say like the inverse iron condor when you have a post earnings flush. So like an earnings, the options volatility would increase, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That would make the option more expensive. So there's one strategy where you can buy a straddle, for example, uh, a month or a month and a half out of the earnings period to ride Mm. that volatility. So even if it doesn't go anywhere, the stock itself, or it goes down or up, as long as the volatility of that stock ramps up towards earnings, then you'll make money, right? Mm. Well, there's the opposite of that. After the earnings or just before a day or two before when the volatility on the earnings is at its peak, right? Right. So let's say a stock would have on average 20% um, implied volatility, Mm -hmm. right? And the day before earnings, it's at 80. Now, what happens on the earnings report? It's an uncertain event, right? People increase volatility because they don't know what's going to come out. So when that news drops, volatility dies out because the uncertainty is gone, gone. right? So what I would do is sell an iron condor, so the reverse of that strategy. So, or, or I would sell a put and a call at the same strike. Mm-hmm. And that would cause the volatility flush to happen, and those things to expire pretty much worthless that week.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's that's the I would say the deepest I would go with these. And other than like selling premium on on stocks that I own, for example, like I've got a crap ton of Ford. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I'll I'll sell calls on Ford right to generate premium. Yeah, you 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 sell them out of the money, trying to get them to expire worthless. Yeah, exactly. On like a weekly basis, I don't do it every week if it makes sense. Like if I think the market's going to kind of stagnate or die i'll sell um i'll sell uh, calls on ford for example or on palantir i used to do it on fubo before i decided enough was enough and i cut the position <laughs>
0: <laughs> palantir's got some juicy premiums right now yeah i think i, it- I- I think I was getting around a dollar eighty for a, a twenty one dollar contract. Uh, that was last week. I think Friday. Right.
2: It's it's great. It's great when they have high IV, but yep. they, you know they won't really move too much. So if you sell them like further out the money for a weekly expiry, you're, you're right. High probability of collecting that premium.
0: I don't even mind if they take my shares because they'll just turn around and sell a put the next week.
2: Yeah, love. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I want to hold on to these though.
0: Well, I mean, are you, are you long? Are they, uh, if they were to be sold, would you be getting long-term tax, uh, long-term capital gains tax on them or. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely worth holding on to. I, I yeah, wouldn't want to yeah. fuck around with that.
2: <laughs> yeah. I am mean, I, 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 have high hopes for Palantir. I got in close to the IPO.
0: I bought at the IPO and then it went nowhere for a couple of weeks. And then I got, uh, uh, I got bored with it and I sold it. I was sick of seeing it lose.
2: Dude. I thought you were an investor.
0: I'm in it now. What? Oh. <laughs>
2: Zing. Take that.
0: I am uh on other stuff. <laughs>
1: I call myself an every other day trader. Ah, okay. That's that's fair. <laughs> if it's there, it's
2: there, right? Take the mm-hmm. opportunity. Uh, yeah,
0: I have a I have a portion of the account that we use for for trying to do other stuff to make money faster. Nice. And then I have the main account that's uh used uh for long term holdings. Okay, cool. But yeah, I don't want to blow myself out, but
2: yeah, I'm juggling multiple different accounts for multiple different things. Like, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't want like all my crap in one account. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have like, I have like a growth and tech account, for example, that is almost all in cash. Mm-hmm. I've got like an like a long-term retirement one, a swing trading one, like a different mm-hmm. long-term one, day trading one, whatever it is. But yeah, if anyone's listening to any of that, split up your accounts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i need to finish splitting them up i got i got so many different accounts though for different retirements different jobs i've worked at give me another one so oh okay yeah that's different. i've got all that retirement stuff my yeah. i've got three different trading accounts right now as far as like just trading stocks yeah but i yeah. need to split up my main one so i can take my long-term holdings and put them somewhere else the problem is i don't want to lose my my buying power <laughs> Not <laughs> my margin. <laughs> that's the only thing that's held me back. <laughs> do, you, do you use margin a lot or other than
2: um, the covered call or whatever uh, premium selling?
0: The only time I use margin is if there's just a the opportunity that I think is too good and it's, going to be like another week before i can close something else out okay like just as like a short term like you know get me to this week where i can close this out after this event yeah. happens interesting i hate carrying it because i just take credit in general fair
2: that's understandable <laughs> <laughs> oh you you guys talked about jumia um quite a bit yeah mm-hmm. what is what is the what is the take on that i'm i'm interested in in following up on
0: that so it's ba- I, I think the way they describe it is the African Amazon. Yeah, I think Baba is probably a more apt comparison because it's still a developing nation. You know, Amazon's in America; uh, we've already c- quite developed. I think it really all depends on how you think Africa is going to develop as far as like a middle class. Are they yeah. are they going to follow along like India is starting to? Like China is already kind of done. Uh, and then who's going to fill that void for that that e commerce giant? Yeah, because uh, right now there's nobody there. There's nobody to try to take market share away from Jumia. They have the entire market to themselves.
2: That's an interesting um, idea there because africa is what it's it's over a billion people for sure
0: right and then i think even isn't nigeria like uh is that the one that's on the upswing that's got its own its own trading and uh indexes and i think it even has its own like kind of bollywood
2: nigeria's got a very strong oil economy Mm. so that's something to consider um in the future as well should that be a like dying resource Oh, for example in the next like 10 to 15 years right because a lot of the african economy hinges on a lot of that oil production
0: well you gotta think i mean oil is not just uh gasoline I and mean, everything that's plastic is made out of oil yeah, too right yeah for sure so i mean even if we do shift to uh, evs i think even if you know combustion engines start going away it's not going to be the end of oil
2: oh yeah like there there's a lot of production alone mm-hmm. right like even to create like batteries right um for those evs right uh, a lot of like the <laughs> infrastructure behind it right like it's, <laughs> it's kind of counterintuitive in a certain sense but like longer term like you'll start slowly eradicating oil um and speaking of oil what do you what is your take on the reopening the reopening sector coming coming to life and the, over the last few months like Oil, flight, uh, retail, stuff like that.
0: I'm worried that a lot of it's already been baked in because mm-hmm. I think uh, didn't airlines already see a really large move um, over the last like three months? Mm-hmm. Oil is still seems to be kind of lagging though. I have finally seen like BP, British Petroleum, finally starting to kind of climb up. Uh, yeah. I've got a pipeline that I I like in my long term holdings, Enterprise products yeah epd is a really nice dividend too by the way uh Mm -hmm. they've been finally starting to kind of climb up i mean yeah opening everything up uh, can only be good for that uh it looks (laughs) i think a lot of that's already kind of been baked in i think with the markets it seems like people are are speculating on it happening you know three months before anybody even thinks it's going to happen right
2: yeah yeah for sure
0: like like look at all the different retail stores that are trading at like all-time highs uh <laughs>
2: like xrt the the retail etf um george and i actually had a running joke about xrt because we usually play it throughout the before the christmas period for options
0: is that the one that everybody's on uh twitter talking about i keep seeing all the ads for XRT.
2: i'm not sure uh, it's it's the the spider etf yeah for retail okay all, all the s retail zone that are on the P. Mm-hmm. yeah so the thing used to trade around 40 50 bucks when we used to play it for that like christmas ramp the santa claus rally type thing where everyone would spend their money buying retail stuff right nice yeah and i looked at it about a month ago it was like 90 dollars. i couldn't believe it oh jeez i was like this is this seems a little too inflated
0: <laughs> yeah i think uh like um i think one of the stocks that i one of the first ones I ever played an earnings play on was um nordstrom and that was trading at like forty three dollars a share today. I think I bought it at sixteen and that was less than six months ago. Oh wow. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of that I think has already been baked in. <laughs>
2: Interesting. I I do I do agree with you in terms of the retail stuff because Like in Canada, like this, our economy is insignificant in comparison to yours. And just because we're shut down, Mm -hmm. a lot of us just turn a blind eye to like the reopening stuff because we're like, oh yeah, we got a lot of reopening to do. You know, like who cares about our, our uh, retail stores here? (laughs) 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 Like retail, I think in the States, especially because a lot of things reopened. I think that's, um, that's a little overbaked, like you said, but I think there is still potential in travel because even though they did see a surge, Mm -hmm. travel is like, like 70% of oil use in like the states i believe is for airlines and travel which are still expected to see over like hundreds of percent growth in the coming year.
0: Well, and we're just about getting to that point now where people start taking all those summer trips too. So yeah, yeah there definitely is potential. Things are finally starting to reopen. I think uh, the CDC finally like le- loosened the guidelines on wearing mm-hmm. masks. Mm-hmm. indoors yeah, and outdoors. Yeah. I know that's one thing that keeps me from going out too much.
2: <laughs> oh man. Like I got yelled out in a hallway here for not having my master talking on the phone. Not too long
0: ago. <laughs> <laughs> I got my vaccine. I should be good.
2: You should be good. <laughs> <laughs> all right kyle you want to you want
1: to move on to some of our fun and games yeah i guess we're getting close to it
0: okay so i got some some i think we're going to call this kind of a uh, ask a canadian mm-hmm. okay How's that sound?
1: <laughs> you're going to help help uh help your friends down south of you because we want to understand our northern neighbors all right
2: let's see if i know any of this
0: it's kind of a mix of that and a little bit of trivia <laughs> okay cool <laughs> all right so so the trivia here is uh what's the most purchased grocery item in canada
2: Oh, God. I want to say maple syrup because that sounds obvious.
0: No, it is not maple syrup.
2: Most purchased grocery item in Canada. What the hell? Do you guys... So this is like a college thing. I think it's either either Mr. Noodle or Kraft Dinner.
0: Kraft Dinner is the answer. Really? Okay, so what is craft dinner for you guys? I asked George Papazov this question, and he just gave me a story about <laughs> making some while he was late for a class.
1: <laughs> yeah, he got a
2: little philosophical about it. Oh, yeah, George goes, goes deep into the metaphors and the talking. Um, <laughs> craft dinner is disgusting, in my opinion. A lot of people would, would disagree with me. It's, it's, the concept is just like, I don't know, repulsive. Anyways, it's, it's like noodles, like macaroni. That okay. are, they come in a box and they come with a package of this like powdered cheese.
0: Okay, so it is craft okay. yeah, it's Kraft macaroni and cheese. Y-
2: yeah, yeah. So you like boil it and do whatever you will and then you put the disgusting powdered cheese and you swirl it around, you throw some milk in that and, uh, and yeah, and, and butter and like ketchup, I don't know,
0: whatever. <laughs> and butter. Don't forget the butter. That's my favorite, by the way. <laughs> That's the only mac and cheese I like.
2: <laughs> it's... It's like a it's like a student's poor version of mac and cheese though. Yeah.
0: That sounds about right. <laughs> okay, so it is that. Awesome. But people have like their own special ways of preparing it though, don't they?
2: Yeah, like people throw like like gallons of like ketchup in there, like weird milk, oh, like what? A, a lot of yeah, man, a lot oh. of weird <laughs> crap. I never liked it because I I'm like I'm like George. I came from an immigrant family, so like my parents did not buy any of that stuff. <laughs> They were they were like repulsed by it. They're like, there's no way anyone should eat this. <laughs> oh, <that's
0: hilarious. laughs> okay, well speaking of that, uh I think this was Dan's question. What in the hell are butter tarts?
2: Butter tart. I don't know. A butter tart. Can I
1: Google it? Yeah, I, I, I I heard some uh some some Canadian people talking and talking about a butter tart.
2: Oh, this this looks like uh it's it's like a pastry. It would, is it Canadian? That was my assumption. It maybe it's not. <laughs> oh, Okay. Yeah, I think I think it is. I'm I'm just googling it right now to see what it looks like. <laughs> this is so in Toronto at least, we have these like um like Portuguese tarts actually uh-huh. because there there's like a pretty prominent Portuguese neighborhood here and they they look like these but they have, like, custard and stuff in the middle. They're pretty good. It's a pastry that, I guess the butter tart has some kind of, um, like, buttery custard in there maybe with, like, pecans. It looks pretty good.
0: That sounds interesting. All right. Okay, this one's my question. Are you a fan of South Park?
2: I, I watched it when I was younger. Um, I don't really watch TV anymore, but, like, when I was in, like, high school, I'd watch
0: it. All right, this, this one, food. well, this is about, I don't know if maybe you saw this episode or not, but... Uh, the one where they're off to see the prime minister of Canada yeah. like he'll follow the only road. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, do you remember what Newfoundland was known for in that episode?
2: Newfoundland.
0: Yeah, you had uh, the Mountie who had to ride a sheep because they took away his horse from budget cuts. The mime was not allowed. The French Canadian, he was not allowed to drink wine anymore. And then the newfie was upset about something else.
2: Was it? Was it? A, was it the Sodomy ban?
0: <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> now my question for you is is that true
2: <laughs> is that so, a big
0: deal in newfoundland
2: so i've never been to newfoundland canada's massive dude yeah um, it's so damn big and i have only been to quebec and alberta and british columbia newfoundland's on like the other side my dad landed in newfoundland when he came to canada and he was like i'm never going back that place cold as hell i don't know it could have been the sodomy
0: was he sodomy yeah that's good <laughs> He
3: might have right. skipped that part.
0: <laughs> All right. Last question I have for you then. All right. So Canada is known as being like super polite, right? Yeah. So if Canada really is that polite, why are hockey players so mean?
2: Because <laughs> hockey players stopped going to school after they were 15. They didn't learn any <laughs> etiquette. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's right. They go to billet homes, don't they? They
2: they go to billet homes, they go to the OHL when they're in like grade ten or something like crazy. I was
0: wondering how that so how does that work? Do they still go to school?
2: They like they claim to go to school. I don't know how good the schooling is or like what the schooling is, but they like if they're good enough, they kind of just like skip all that stuff, <laughs> you know. Like I feel like I feel like the states has like a slightly better protocol where they at least like go to college. They get to college and then they they don't get an education. That's when when they focus on sports. Yeah, but they finish their high school education. I think I do think hockey players do finish their high school, but it's probably like something in like the the online learning.
0: But it's almost like homeschooling, though, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. It must be something like that
0: okay so there's like that i was wondering how that works they get like billet families to live with they don't even live with their own
2: yeah or they go to they go to school in like the like little towns that they they stay with like the families and whatnot i'm not sure but or maybe they've just been hit in the head too many times i don't know <laughs> 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 hey they were so what what is uh your hockey name in canada i've never played hockey so just like george i'm i'm from bulgaria and i'm a big like soccer guy actually like super european family Mm. so never never really played hockey skated for the first time this last year to be honest wow how'd you do terrible (laughs) (laughs) i have a torn acl from soccer and i was just like too scared to move on the on the ice i'm like i'm gonna tear this thing again i'm gonna tear the other one
0: right oh man
2: have to come collect me scoop me from the ice yeah i actually played soccer as a youth
1: and am a terrible ice skater as well so solidarity (laughs) nice
0: i hated playing uh organized sports because you don't get to play you have to practice all the time practice sucks
2: (laughs) (laughs) are you alan iverson
0: what's that (laughs) who are you alan iverson (laughs) basically yeah i just want to go out to the i go out to the park every saturday and just throw a football around it was just as much fun. Oh, yeah. And then I joined the military, and the military felt like a lot like football practice. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was a six-year mistake. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> All right. Any closing thoughts you want to leave us with?
2: Um closing thoughts yeah yeah uh
1: plug i know you wanted to talk a little bit about your online community
2: oh yeah hit us up at community.tradeproacademy.com uh everyone gets to talk to us you can dm me on that echofin server you can talk to us there uh the community is growing it's relatively new all of our current members are in there and a lot of new members that have been following us for a while and kind of want to see what goes on in TradePro are in there right now um we talk a lot about like psychology and stuff. I don't know if George talked to you guys about like psychology and
0: I think we talked a lot about psychology. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of been a recurring theme it seems like with all these different guests that we've had on. All
2: the professionals we talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's like a that's a big thing. Always work on that psychology, always mm-hmm. like strive to have that like winning mindset. Don't put yourself down. Um, but we talk about a lot of that stuff in the community. Uh, you can follow us on social media, just Trade Pro Academy, uh, on any social media, YouTube, Twitter, whatever it is.
0: Yeah, congratulations and on hitting three hundred by the way. So you're at three twenty now.
2: Uh, yeah, the no, milestone has been reached. I'm thinking of the next um the next ploy to get more people to, to engage with us. No, I'm kidding, not ploy, but
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay.
2: Well, and George, I, I... <laughs> George and I are thinking of some kind of competition. I'm going to film a video for everyone, um, for whoever, whoever's listening. I'm just going to break down everything I know about options and how I day trade them. Yes. It might be like a two, three hour video.
0: Oh, I've been looking forward to seeing that. Uh,
2: are you really going to put know. that
0: up on YouTube? or?
2: I'm going to put it up everywhere. I'm working mm-hmm. on it. Uh, it's taking longer than I thought, but this week. So if you guys want to see more, what is it, like competitions that involve us spilling everything that we know, check us out mm. on Twitter. Awesome. Nice.
0: Uh, really if cool. you need consequences, uh, Dan and I just had to take the SATs for losing. Oh my God, the I, to I listened to that. I
2: listened to that podcast. You guys did really well. What the hell? I didn't know what I, SATs um, really were, to be honest.
0: I didn't either. I never took it.
2: Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys scored in like a high percentile, no?
0: Yeah. Like, um, yeah, we brushed I mean, up
2: to the 90th percentile.
0: My wife graded it, though. And we need to post the results so that way people can call us out if it was graded wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, man, that's
0: great. All right. Well, we'll put links to all that. Yeah, if you can, so just a uh, note when you got that video uh, completed. Yeah, we'll put a course. link to it in this episode description.
2: Yeah, we'll, sh- we'll share that video for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm a to blast this podcast everywhere I know. You're going to get a lot of people listening to this um, because I thoroughly enjoyed listening to you guys before I jumped onto this, and it oh, was great. a pleasure jumping onto this. Oh, you guys are great. You. Thank you. Well, um, you've been a fantastic guest. Yes. Yeah, we want to <laughs> have you back for sure. Yes. For sure. If I blow an account or something, or make a terrible mistake, I know who to call. Yes, <laughs> yes. you guys can exploit me for that.
0: Well, Dan can tell. Dan can console you. He's uh, he's got plenty of empathy there.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> what I
2: do best. <laughs> Perfect.
0: All right, Dan, you want to take you. us home?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, folks, we're so glad you joined us for this fantastic interview. Uh, you know, we're going to have plenty of links. Go check out Trade Pro Academy. Go t- check out their their online community. We're definitely in the future going to be sharing the links uh, to the, those options videos for sure. Uh, make sure to follow them on Twitter; you'll, you'll get updated. Make sure to follow us on Twitter too. Uh, yeah. on discord Discord, the Facebook. <laughs> Please, uh, you know, <laughs> don't don't forget about us.
0: You can join their uh, their account, and you can still join ours too. We we, we won't be jealous. Exactly. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. There's room for everybody in the China shop. It's a it's a big shop. Uh, we're just so glad that you're here and you joined us and, uh, you know, we'll be coming back at you soon, but, uh, today we have to sadly close up the shop and, uh, until next time, happy trades. Bye folks.